Welcome to Life Lessons and Law with LaShonda. I'm your host, LaShonda Council Rogers. In each episode, we have authentic and entertaining conversations about the impact of the law on women. You can find this show on my website, www.thecouncilfirm.com, and on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Now, please join me in Life Lessons in Law with LaShonda. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Life Lessons in Law with LaShonda. So we have a new topic that we're going to be talking about today, and it is real estate. And we have the best real estate attorney that I know is Miss Dana Allen of Allen Law Group. Hi, Dana. How are you? Absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. I've been meaning to invite you to be a guest because, you know, oftentimes people don't really think about all the ins and outs when it comes to real estate. They think, okay, I need to buy a house, go to the closing table, that's it. And there's much more, much more to it. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about Allen Law Group. Well, um, again, thank you for having me. Of course. The Allen Law Group was formed in 2004. We've been in business for quite a while now. Um, we primarily practice residential real estate um, as well as probate. I am a judicial officer. I'm with the Fulton County Probate Court. And it just ended up being a nice segue to add that practice. So I'm excited about the intersection of real estate and probate. Awesome. Awesome. So let's jump right in. Now, are you, I think you're a complete Georgia peach. Were you born and raised in Georgia? No, my daddy was in the Air Force, so I traveled quite a lot. I've been in Atlanta for a while, but I have lived any and everywhere that you could possibly think of. I was born in Germany. <laughs> okay, okay. So that you bring up an interest. That's an interesting uh, topic because how do you think that your travel and your uh, experience has helped you with your firm um, today? Well, it's helped me to deal with a lot of different people and rotating people. <laughs> no. so I'm so used to meeting new people, making new friends adapting to new situations, which it, it falls right in line with real estate. Every transaction is different and you're constantly having new people that you're meeting. Got you. Got you. Yeah. Cause I feel like that helps, especially in your industry, because there's no like prototype of, okay, who's going to buy a home and who's not going to buy a home. Anybody can purchase a home, obviously if they qualify. So there's so many personalities that you have to deal with. And then I know you have to be good under pressure because sometimes documents come in at the last minute and people want to close and you want to meet that expectation. So how did you get into real estate? So real estate um, law kind of fell in my lap. It was the first job that I got right out of law school. And so I came into the industry when it was rocking and rolling. I used okay. to close 15 to 20 closings a day. <laughs> so wow. you will get when you come to the Allen Law Group is in and out. I feel under the pressure to make sure that people are not there two or three hours. So usually you get a great closing under an hour and everybody's happy. <laughs> oh, good. Now, how 
um, how do you get your business? I noticed that you promote a lot of agents. Um, is that generally your target market? Yes, real estate agents are my target market. Uh, market. So I am very big on relationships. Um, I am working more on social media. However, I love one-on-ones. I love to do lunch with my agents, take them out, get to know them, understand what their business needs. And at that point, it kind of translates into great business for me when I'm supporting them to do what they love. Got you. So tell me, because I know you work with a wide variety of agents. Describe the perfect agent for you. Well, the perfect agent for me is someone that's very similar to my kind of background. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. um, I have responsibilities outside of just work. So I understand that if you're a single mom coming here and you're a real estate agent, you really don't have time to babysit your transactions. You need to trust that it's in good hands once it gets here. I have agents that literally hand their files over to me once they get it under contract and they're comfortable knowing it's going to get to the closing table. It's going to get there on time and everybody is going to be fully informed along the process. Wow. So you said get to the closing table on time and it's going to close. What are some things that from time to time cause these transactions not to close? Well, one of the biggest issues is just waiting to order title. So you may have a situation where they put different contingencies in their contracts, meaning that the buyer wants to be able to inspect the property. The buyer may want to be able to make sure that they're going to qualify for a loan. If you wait for all of those contingencies to be up, you can be within a week of closing. And if you wait that long, then it's a possibility that once you get that title back, it may have some liens on there that you need time to clear. And sometimes by gun that they really need to close quickly. And if that's the case, then they may move on to another transaction. And of course, that will just kill the deal. Um, And a lot of what we do also sometimes is just keeping the being the glue. These buyers and sellers who may be bumping heads because maybe buyer feels like I need more money towards this product to fix up the home some kind of way and a seller may feel like I I didn't charge you enough for the property. Right. Usually, surprisingly, they call us complaining with whatever is happening. And so we just have to do our best to make both of them feel as though it's a win-win situation because sellers sometimes love their homes and they hate leaving it. And then buyers, you know, under the pressure of, hey, I'm about to commit to a 30-year mortgage. Am I absolutely going to love it? So we just do our best to make everyone feel as happy as possible about where they are in the process. Yeah. No, this recent real estate market was bananas, bananas. And I'm sure it was bananas in a good way for you. But for me, on the other side of it, um, we sold a home and I think our home sold in like less than a week was under under contract. And we didn't think it all the way through because it's like, oh, yes, we got this price for this home. But then it's like, oh, wait, now we're on the buyer side of it. And so now we're competing, putting in multiple offers to move to our next property. So it was it was kind of crazy during that time. And obviously, it seems like, you know, those days have slowed down. But I can imagine as a closing attorney, 
you guys just probably got super slammed during that time. Yes, we did not slow down during the pandemic. We were considered essential. So closings had to keep going. And the market was definitely at an all-time crazy high. At that time, the interest rates were pretty good. So right now, what you're having is the home prices still are kind of leveling out as to where they are. They haven't gone down. I don't know that we're going to see that market, especially in Atlanta, because everybody wants to be here. So sure. um, nobody wants to take a dive for what they actually paid for it. So the hard part about selling a property, and especially if you want to stay in Atlanta, is where do we go? So yes. or you can make two, three, four hundred thousand dollars on the sale of your property, but now you're looking for another property. And what you just sold your property for is probably not even close to what you're going to be able to buy the next one for. So it, it is a very, very difficult market for sellers if they want to stay in Atlanta. Yeah, it, it, it was hard for us. We ended up in what well, we call it transitional housing for about a year after we sold our house because we could not find anything that we liked that we could agree on. And when we did, like I said earlier, we would put in an offer and then people were bidding like multiples over listing prices. So while it was good when it was us being the seller or being the buyer, I was like, wait a minute, uh, don't do this to me. This is not how we we're going to roll. But we had to, we waited a little and then we still were in a situation where we were bidding for a home, but luckily we found a home. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that crazy times. Crazy yeah, times. It absolutely is. I, um, you know, just even as a potential seller and or buyer, I'm kind of staying put because I don't know that I can find something I'm going to like that's going to be within budget. When um, we bought our home back in 2018, interest rates were low. We got a great price for our home. It's now doubled in value. But where are we going to go if we sell it? <laughs> yes, stay put because you're going to go nowhere. You're going to be in transitional housing for a year like me. So Absolutely. We, we do not, you do not want that. So um, let's talk about a little bit about the uh probate in uh, estate planning side of your business as well. Let's talk about that. Absolutely. I'm so happy you asked. I am very passionate about one, making sure that um, the African-American community gets some estate planning in place. I think it's so important that when grandma passes away, that that value in that home is not lost that the heirs are able to easily access the home, whether they want to live there or whether they want to sell it. It's important to do that in state planning so that it's not a difficult process for the heirs. Um, there's an option to do a will. There's an option to do a trust. It just depends on your situation, which one would be more beneficial to you. But by all means, whether you have an estate worth a million dollars or even a hundred thousand dollars. I think it's very important that we all make sure that we actively get our estate planning in place. So why are do people and, and I know this is a very broad question, in general, what are some of the reasons that people give you as to why they prolong getting an estate plan or why they're hesitant to get an estate plan? 
well, everybody thinks they have time. Mm-hmm. That 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 is the biggest issue that I run into. I will have people that contact me because they know they need to do it. And they'll say, hey, mom's not doing so well or mom's getting up in age. We need to get something in place. What can we do? We give them the options. They say, okay, we'll be back in touch with you. And then I get the phone call. Hey, mom passed away. What can we do now? And I have to give them the bad news. Now you have to go through the probate process because you all did not put those things in place. So I, I would say the number one culprit is just everyone thinks they have time. Um, it's not overly expensive to get these things in place. I always tell people that you're going to pay for it one way or the other. You either right. pay for it up front while you are here to make sure that everything is um, distributed the way that you would prefer when you pass or your heirs are going to do it once you pass when they have to go through the probate process. So might as well go ahead and have your wishes honored before you pass. Yeah, and I I could tell you that several years ago, well, it's not that long ago, we had that situation in my family where there was an individual who had no children and she passed away and it it was a lot to have to deal with and because there was nothing in place and there were a lot of siblings and nieces and nephews and who, what would she have wanted? And it, it didn't matter what she wanted. There was nothing in place. So we had to go by the law and what the law says that she wanted, which I mean, no, no, that's what she wanted, but we had no choice. We had no choice. And, um, that was not a fun process at all, at all, at all. So I know firsthand the devastation not having something in place can cause, not to mention, um, and obviously not trying to take any money out of your pocket, the legal fees that were incurred because we had to go that route and there was nothing in place. Absolutely. So to me, it cost more than it would have been a fraction of that cost if something was in place, just, you know, get it together. So everything is airtight. But having to go through probate court, having lawyers and this and that, that took a big chunk of the estate. Absolutely. And most attorneys are going to want their fees up front. Up front. <laughs> up front. Clear. Yes. <laughs> yes. So you may be paying on an estate and who knows how much of it you're going to actually get back because somebody else may swoop in there and have a reason to have a um, superior position than you. So it, it is very important to do that estate planning up front. Now, I noticed that um, recently you did a seminar about foreclosures. Let's talk about that. Are foreclosures on the rise here in Georgia? Um, I won't necessarily say that they are on the rise, but they are definitely still out there. Um, and people are really bidding on these properties. So I held a seminar for real estate agents to teach them how to assist homeowners who may be going through a foreclosure or may have already been foreclosed upon. It was a wonderful event. They learned a lot. As well as on the tax sale side, now is an awesome time if you're an investor to get into buying taxes. Um, If 
for whatever reason, a property is sold for the taxes right now, whereas maybe a few years back, if the taxes were $1,000, they might sell for $1,000 and or maybe up to like $3,000. Now what you're seeing is if it's $1,000 owned on a property, people may bid up, investors may bid up to fifty, sixty, a hundred thousand dollars depending on the value of that home. So I was teaching real estate agents how to deal with these different situations and helping the community. Oh wow. So then I guess they buy the you bid on basically I guess the county, they just want their tax money. Exactly. All of the county wants is their tax money. So once they get their $1,000, they're happy. Now, on the investor side, you may ask, why would they bid $50,000 if only 1000 is due? A savvy investor is going to investigate the property and know that that property may not have a loan on the property. It may not have a lot of liens on the property. So although the bid was only $1,000, they may know that property is worth two hundred thousand dollars and say hey I'm going to bid this up and as much as I can so that I can get that property at fifty thousand dollars they've now have a potential of a two hundred thousand dollar profit um the homeowner does have one year to redeem it so the investor cannot do anything with the property for a year but after that year they can foreclose on that tax lien and essentially move to own that property and have it put in their name. The homeowner does have the option to come back and redeem the property, meaning that they pay what it is that was owed on it. But in this case, they sold the taxes for $50,000. Plus there's a um, fee that they have to pay for every month that the investor owned it. So they get not only the money that was paid for it back, meaning the investor, but they also have to pay a fee on top of that. And for most homeowners, it's not attainable. Now, although the tax is sold for $50,000 and the county was only due a thousand, technically that homeowner can go back to the county and say, hey, my home sold for $50,000. You were only due a thousand dollars. Give me my $49,000 back. Oh, but they would have to get that from the county. Yes. Yes, they get that from oh, not giving that back. Well, no, they are. They have to, and they don't want to keep it. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we definitely assist people um, getting their money back when um, it's sold for over what they owe, if they don't want to redeem it. Wow. You know, that that is so smart because, yeah, if you overbid and if, I guess nine times out of 10, if someone were in a tax situation and if they couldn't pay the $1,000, what's the probability of them paying the $50,000 to get it back? 50. Uh, So um, because it was the 49,000, they could technically go back to the county, get that $49,000 back. However, on top of the $49,000, they have to pay the fee to the um, investor for having purchased it. And that's usually the part that makes it not feasible for the homeowner to get the property back because they don't have the additional fee to pay. So they would have to pay the $1,000 plus the percentage on top of the $49,000 that the investor is owed. 
Okay. Well, good. Thank you for straightening me out. Because you see, I was about to have some more crazy information out here. And see, that's why you are the real estate guru. And I stick in my personal injury lane. You see me trying to figure this out. Nope, that's not my cup of tea. So I thank you. So let's talk about you as the business owner. Um, I you can't see it now, but there's a sign on your wall that says girl boss. Now I know you're not mess with it. <laughs> and yet, as a girl boss myself, it's not easy to talk to us about being a girl boss. It is definitely one of the best <laughs> things that I ever could have done for myself, but it is definitely a heavy crown to wear. Um, being a girl boss means that you have to balance payroll, you have to balance employee relations, you have to balance clients. Um, you know, some people say working for yourself, you don't have a boss, but I look at it quite opposite. When you work for yourself, you have many bosses. Yes. All of your clients are running the show and <laughs> needing to let you know what they need and when they need it. So I enjoy it. I definitely um, appreciate any and everybody that supports my business. So I do know that, like I said, I, I, I wear the crown very heavy, but I love being a girl boss. Um, right now I have all female staff. And so we are just rocking and rolling over here trying to give the best service we can. <laughs> That is amazing. Yeah, we were almost, we were all female, but then we had to throw one guy in a bunch. Okay. Um, but it it works well. And it's one of those things where people often ask me, they're like, well, how is it working with all women? I'm like, it's fine. It's yeah. fine. And I guess the expectation is that, oh, all the women, is it catty? Is it this? And it's like, no, if everybody's coming together for a common goal, it's fine. I, I'm just like, what's the deal? big deal with all women? But from the outside looking in, there are people who think that that is just a recipe for drama. And it, it just doesn't have to be. It's just a matter of the standards that you set and the people that you hire. So do you ever encounter that situation where people are just kind of like, ooh, all women? Um, well, yes. You know, sometimes it, it can be a little difficult to get the right mix of yes. um, people in the real estate realm for closers, pre-closers. We do have a lot of females that are in there. So for the most part, we've had mostly females. And right now we are very diverse over here. So, you know, we have somebody that's African-American, you have a Caucasian, you have um, another African-American. And I also have someone that's Hispanic working here um, to be able to be bilingual at least <laughs> sure spanish but it's it's just a melting pot over here we love um each other and our diversity oh that's cool so let's talk about wearing the business owner hat and the wife and mom hat how do you wed and marry all of that so successfully yes i'm just prioritizing of course we keep family and god first and as well as, um, you know, understanding that sometimes business is important and it may have to take precedent over something else that is important at home as well. We just make sure that, you know, we support each other. I am there for 
my husband, when he needs to work, he's here for me when I need to work. And our children just don't skip a beat. We make sure that they are taken care of and that we're one of us is there for them at all times. But for the most part, and especially with real estate, the great thing is there's very rarely emergencies in real estate. So right. Get to keep pretty balanced hours around here. It's very important to me that the Allen Law Group does have balanced hours. Um, I tell my staff that I am very serious about work-life balance. So I don't want anybody here, you know, six, seven, eight o'clock at night, you know, all the time. And and very rarely, um, you know, real estate can be unpredictable. So sometimes a package may come in at six o'clock because they're on the West Coast and they don't realize, hey, six o'clock is three o'clock your time, but we're we're ready. (laughs) And so because we already have that work-life balance in in there, um, staff rarely has an issue if something like that were to come up. But we are so big on work-life balance here. Awesome. (laughs) That is so cool. So do you, I know from time to time, I still, even though my kids are a little old, and I know you have a mix, you have older and younger. Um, do you still, or have you ever experienced like the feel of like mom guilt? You know, I have not had that happen to me yet. Um, only because I have always made sure that any and everyone knew that my kids, my kids, my kids, I've got to be there. I don't ever want it to be a situation where I've got to choose between work and being at something for my children. And so I make sure that I plan, plan, plan. So I don't miss anything when it comes to my children. Um, I was a single mom with my oldest daughter. She's 23 years old now. And so, you know, it was very important that I was at every game, that I was at every graduation, that I don't, I didn't ever want her to feel as though, oh, wow, you know, you weren't there. So I'm sure at that time that I had a job that was flexible enough and understood, hey, if I need to be somewhere, I need to be there. And now my children, I'm an older mom. (laughs) And so, you know, when daycare hours are over, that means I've got to go. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. The real estate definitely was a good transition for that because I don't have a lot of court that I have to do now. So I am able to, you know, make sure that flexibility is there, the scheduling's there. And the great thing about real estate is you do have a lot of moms in there. So we all kind of are like, hold on, we can't do it fast this time. We got to get our kids. Right. (laughs) It works out. Oh, wow. Well, Dana, this has been amazing. I thank you so much. How can um, we find you, um, your website, Instagram, uh, all this other stuff? Because everybody needs to find you for their real estate needs and estate planning needs. So how can we find you? Well, thank you so much, LaShonda. I appreciate you so much for inviting me on the show today. Um, We can be reached. Our phone number is 404-369-0202. And our website is www.allenlawgroup.org. And that's O-R-G. And we are on Instagram and Facebook. It's at Allen Law Group, A-L-L-E-N Law Group. All right, everybody. So there you have it. Dana Allen, Allen Law Group. Give her a call for your real estate and your estate planning needs. And again, thank you so much, Dana, for being our guest. And so until next time, everyone, um, see you soon. Take care. You've been tuning into Life Lessons in Law with LaShonda. 
In each episode, we have authentic and entertaining conversations about the impact of the law on women. I hope you'll join me each time. You can find this show on my website at www.thecouncilfirm.com and on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. We appreciate your positive comments and reviews. And don't forget to share this show with others. I've been your host, LaShonda Council Rogers.